Good morning, Chicago. You're listening to Inspirational Perspective. I'm your host, Linnell Harris, Chicago's very own life coach right here on WBON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. Inspirational Perspective on your radio is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. So as I ask you, or I'll be asking you every Sunday morning, are you living the best life possible? And this is the place to be to explore that opportunity. Well, happy new year, everyone. And welcome to the first Sunday of 2018. And, uh, I tell you, it's a blessing, an honor, privilege to be with you this morning. My name is Linnell Harris, the host of Inspirational Perspective, and I'm excited to be with you during this new day and this new time for the Inspirational Perspective show to start off 2018. So super excited about that. And let me tell you something, just to start off the show, for those of you who may not know that much about me, if you are interested and having a successful goal-oriented year, then I want you to go out to slayergoals.com and download a free copy of my book titled Slay Your Goals so you can learn more about who Linnell Harris is. But not just that, but in learning more about who I am, you can also learn how to set goals, clearly define what success looks like for you, and... Um, I share five tips for achieving your goals in the future, okay? So what you'll learn is that my purpose is your success. That's what I'm here for. And um, I'm looking forward to this new time frame where we can spend a lot more time talking about life, a lot more time talking about what success looks like and what it is that we all need to be doing to live the best life possible. Now, also you can go out to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page if you haven't before and you can you can go out there like the page so that way you can receive similar inspirational information like this throughout the week. And if you're a social media enthusiast, you can join me via live streaming video, many have already. And you can join me via live streaming video on Facebook Live or Periscope. So go ahead and do that right now to get your morning start as you uh, pour that cup of coffee or that cup of tea. And um, since 2011, I've always taken the time at the end of the year, going into the beginning of the year, to compile my observations of the previous year to kick off the new year. And this is something I've done personally. I've shared this on my blog at inspirationalperspective.com. And today, what I'd like to do, I'd like for us to have a conversation about the observations that we've made in 2017. Now, here's something I firmly believe, and I've I've shared this before, but one of the things that we have to do in order to powerfully create in the future is we have to be aware and reflect on, one, who we are, who we were, And what it is we're trying to create moving forward and what that gap is. Now, 
in terms of the observations I'll be making for 2017, they're, they're much larger observations in the grand scheme of what's happening in the United States of America. But one of the things that we can be thinking about as we cover this is how did this impact me, if it did, may not have, and how will I handle something like this in the future, and what does it mean for the future? So as we're moving forward this morning, I want you to be asking yourself those questions, all right? So the topic this morning is observing 2017 to live the dream in 2018. And I'll be asking you two questions. One, I've already asked, what are your 2017 observations? And the second is, what will you create on your clean canvas for 2018? Because the beautiful thing about new is new always provides us a brand new canvas on which to operate, on which to create. And we have that opportunity. The very first Sunday, very first Sunday in 2018, what will you create and what will you be doing? All right. So give me a phone call, 773-591-1690 to ask your questions, to share your thoughts and comments. We'd love to hear from you. Um, even if it's just to say happy new year, um, and happy new year to all of you, all of you again. And with that, I have 10 observations. So although we're going to 9 a.m., I think with some dialogue, it could take quite a bit of time. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and get right into the observations that I've made for 2017 and, um, look forward to whatever comments that you guys have. All right. Now. I firmly believe that in order to adequately and accurately navigate our future, that we we have to be aware of the afflictions of the past, the winds of the past, and the past in general, okay? So to kick off today's show, I'm going to share my top 10 observations, and number 10 Number 10 is Amazon buying Whole Foods. That's number 10. As a matter of fact, I'm going to run through the entire list. So that way, as you're listening, you can kind of queue up and say, all right, I know I want to call in during that period. Okay. So here is the top 10 that I have. Okay. Number 10 being Amazon's purchase of Whole Foods. There's something I definitely want to share about that and how it impacts us as a community. Number nine is cryptocurrency. If you don't know anything about cryptocurrency, you definitely want to uh, hold on and, and listen to my take on cryptocurrency. Uh, we'll talk about Charlottesville. We'll talk about the California fires. Um, and then Colin Kaepernick and the NFL. I definitely have a take on that. Uh, the hurricanes of 2017. And then hashtag me too. If you don't know what that means, I don't know where you've been, but we'll talk about that. I call it the, you know, 2017, the year of the woman. And number three, global warming that I think often, you know, it's very easy for us to forget about. Number two, North Korea and number one, President Donald Trump. All right. So that's those are the top 10. So what I want to do now is just as the phone calls are coming in, I want to go and chat about. Amazon's purchase of Whole Foods, because this this was a big time acquisition that I believe will change the future of how we buy food. And 
the Amazon purchase of Whole Foods, it wasn't the biggest deal in terms of money for 2017. It was, it was, I believe, $13.7 billion. Okay. But Amazon Incorporated buying Whole Foods will sure change the grocery game well into the foreseeable future. Now, how do I know that? One, because it changed the game already in 2017. Grocery stocks for other organizations were down in comparison to the prices going into 2017. And companies like Kroger, which is a large grocery chain here in the States, fared even worse. One of the reports I saw is that their stock dropped about almost 36% as a result of this acquisition. Amazon stock is up on investor expectations that they will lower the uh, food prices at Whole Foods and making healthier groceries more attractive to the average shopper. Now, Jeff Wilk, who's the CEO at World Consumer of Amazon.com, was quoted as saying, we're determined to make healthy and organic food affordable for everyone. So, in my opinion, this is great news for the millions of people who live in underserved communities throughout the United States, that are considered urban deserts. Why? Because for the first time, because of technology via Amazon, they may soon be provided with the relief of healthy fruits and healthy vegetables in a way that they did not have access to in the past. So, number 10 for me, Amazon's purchase of Whole Foods. All right, I got Frank. Frank, how are you, man? Good morning. Oh, good morning, my brother. Hey, now, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you. My brother, this may come with a different kind of twist, but you asked what to say, what you observed, what you've been observing about 2017. Yes, sir. I'm going to just say it just like this. I observed that the black man has not done nothing once again to the, uh, to stop or reverse the internal and external uh, forces that have displaced him as the head of his household. If you cannot be the head of your household, how can we mm-hmm. be the head of our community? What I plan to do about it, outside of writing a book, we just want to write a book. I'm going to contact um, some of our leaders, like Minister Farrakhan, for one thing, mm-hmm. uh, Bangley, and hope we can get a million-man march just for men and men only and their sons. And we need to cover this and reveal this because only going to stop it and take back, not beg back, not cry back, but take back opposition ahead of the household. It has to be a united front. We are the only race of men that's been attacked internally and externally. And it's done on purpose. That's my observation for 2017. I think it's a good observation. You say you and we ain't doing nothing about it. We're sitting back like we rolled over. Well, I, I don't know that collectively we're not doing anything about it. I think that you know when you terms of, you talk about terms of majority, I agree with you. But you do have you do have pockets of black men who are definitely looking to step forward oh, oh, and change oh, oh, that scenario. You're right. Let me, let me rephrase a little bit. This is not counting our Muslim men, our Muslim brothers, or our Catholic brothers for good reasons. I can't take up a lot of time on your airway because I know you got other callers calling in, mm-hmm. but for good reason. Now, you are aware there, there is an internal and external attack on us. That has just oh, yeah. I, 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 I for, it, it has been for a very long time, so yes, I, I do agree has. with you on that. Yes, it has. Now, now you said you were writing a book. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put together the resources to write a book okay. for this year, and hopefully it'll reach enough men. I think it will. Okay. By when will you have the book done, brother? 
I'm okay. I can't actually say that until I actually talk to a publisher and someone who will help guide me because I want to have all my resources and fact down pat. But it shouldn't take long. Okay. Well, I know, so you, you, I, so I, I know exactly which direction to go. All right. So so that you know who you're talking to, I believe in declaring. Doesn't matter if you know how. I believe in declaring, especially when you're talking about something powerful like what you're talking about, a book yeah, that will exactly. help brothers. So if you're willing, are you willing to declare when that book will be done? Okay. I put it like this. It'll be done by the end of the year. I love it. Thank you. For, okay. Thank you for the phone call, Frank, and thank, thank you for the you. contribution, man. Thank you. All right. All right. All right. So got a few more callers. Again, you can give us a phone call, 773-591-1690. Um, but with, with that, I'm going to go to number nine. And, Richard, I see you there. Get to you in a moment. But um, let's talk about cryptocurrency. That's number nine on my list for 2017. And for those of you listening, I want you to listen to the numbers I'm about to share with you in terms of cryptocurrency. And we are living, in my opinion, in a beautiful time for individuals who are financially aware, okay, to begin making an investment in what I believe will be the currency of tomorrow. Okay, so cryptocurrency came bursting on the scene. In 2017, now it it didn't just start, it started in 2008, but it came bursting on the scene in 2017 when Bitcoin surged more than 1,500%, all right? Now, it wasn't just Bitcoin, by the way, that experienced this type of a surge. Ether, which trades on the Ethereum blockchain, if you don't know what blockchain means, I want you to start writing some of this stuff down. All right, write down blockchain. Do some some Google, uh, some googling to really understand what some of these terms mean. Okay, but Ether, which trades on the Ethereum blockchain, rose more than five thousand four hundred percent in twenty seventeen. Okay, and now to put this in perspective, Ether. Ended 2016 at $8.03 and is currently trading at about $1,000 a coin. Currently trading at about $1,000 a coin. Now, in terms of Ether itself, this is, you know, you have Bitcoin. Ether is probably the biggest competitor for Bitcoin based on its market cap. And I'm going to cover the market caps for some of these coins in a moment. All right. Um, now, other crypt- cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin Cash, IOTA, which is spelled I-O-T-A, um, Ripple, Dash, Litecoin, Bitcoin Gold, Monero, and Cardano also experienced similar trajectories in 2017 in terms of growth, okay? And here's the other thing I want to mention about these coins, each of these cryptocurrencies that I mentioned above have market caps well over $1 billion, okay? So let me put this in perspective for you. With Bitcoin's cap being over $250 billion, all right? So Bitcoin's cap is over $250 billion, and Cardano, which is the lowest of the group, right? Not of all cryptocurrency, but the lowest of the group, their market cap is over $3 billion, all right? So those alternative coins and Bitcoins that I just shared with you 
have experienced explosive growth in 2017. And by the way, I believe that they're poised to do the same thing in 2018. Now, why is that on my list? It's on my list because I know when it comes to our community, you know, one of the things we talk about is, you know, the economic depression that we've been in for quite some time. Um, we talk about the lack of opportunity and cryptocurrency is providing a financial opportunity that is equitable for everyone. Okay. You don't, you know, right now Bitcoin is trading. If I, I think last night I looked, it was about 16 and a half, almost $17,000 a coin. All right. You don't have to buy a whole coin. You can buy a percentage of a coin. And as it rises, experience the growth very much like we do with stock. Okay. So learn what you can. There are a lot of groups online right now on Periscope. I, I keep seeing Bitcoin heart, altcoin heart, because there are a lot of investors out there who are online watching and uh, they, they are currently involved in cryptocurrency. As a matter of fact, if you're on Periscope or if you're on on Facebook and you're involved in cryptocurrency, I love to see the hearts. So that way I can get an idea of, you know, how involved all of you are in cryptocurrency. But cryptocurrency is one of the observations I made for 2017. I believe it's information that we all need to have. It's something and the hearts are coming in, by the way. And it's something that we need to know about. OK, so my gift to you this Sunday morning, if you haven't looked into cryptocurrency, my suggestion is that you do and that you learn everything that you can about it. All right. OK, um, we'll go to number eight. But first, Richard, good morning. How are you? Happy New Year. Hey, good morning, Brother Harris. One, I want to go back to your first point, which is about Whole Food and Amazon. OK, um, on July 23rd, I made the decision to become a vegan. All right. And so it was for health reasons and all kind of reasons. But to make a long story short. And congratulations, by the way. That, thank you. Mm-hmm. Since that time, I lost 65 pounds. I believe you. And a lot of my food I buy and purchase at Whole Foods. Okay. Because I'm on a strictly whole food plant-based diet, right? Right. So this week, for the first time, I ordered the same products that I buy from Whole Foods online from Amazon. Because I have an Amazon Prime membership. Uh-huh. So all my shipping and stuff is free. When I tell you that I pay 33 to 25% less on Amazon than I do at Whole Foods, you just got to know that. Oh, the God. other thing that happened was prior to, well, I was waiting on my delivery because I didn't know it was going to take only two days to get to me. Mm-hmm. I went into Whole Foods and my wife and I were getting on the elevator and we noticed that on the elevator at Whole Foods in High Park, there were six people on the elevator with us. They were all African American. Yeah. And so we're getting hip to yes. what diet is really doing to our health. Yes. And our fitness and our mental state. Yes. You know, uh, one of the other results that came of changing my diet is that, you know, I swim four to five miles a week now. You know, I'm doing water aerobics three days a week. And I'm walking 10,000 steps a day now. That's beautiful. You know, and so the benefits of changing my diet has not only impacted me, you know, physically, but mentally and spiritually, I'm in a totally different place. I can believe it. On your new topic, man, this whole thing with Bitcoin and this cryptocurrency, yeah. this is a powerful topic. You know, this is definitely one of the things that, that came up on my radar mm-hmm. as I encourage people to in, in, increase their MIQ, which is our money intelligence quotient. Yeah. One of the things that we clearly don't understand about America is how America functions. And now as the world gets smaller with a global marketplace, we really have to begin to understand other ways of making money rather than going mm-hmm. to a nine to five every day. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, and so this whole conversation about cryptocurrency, I just want to thank you for that because I've been looking at Bitcoin. I keep hearing about Bitcoin, 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 mm -hmm. but these other pieces that you introduced this morning, I definitely was not aware of. I um, definitely said I was going to do some research on Forex and Bitcoin. And so now as we, the world becomes smaller, we can look at these other markets. Yes. You're absolutely 100% right. Our opportunities for financial growth are so just off the chain. Oh, man. Um, like never before. And by the way, for listeners, the Forex market is a currency market. So when he said Forex, Forex is the currency market where you can trade the U.S. dollar against the New Zealand Kiwi. Or you can trade the you know U.S. dollar against the yen, et cetera. So I just want to make sure everybody was following you, brother. Go ahead. Absolutely. The other thing I want to just talk about real briefly is, you know, I'm going to jump up to number one because this is real important to me. I just uh, put a uh, post up on Facebook about the importance of us owning businesses. Um, I've been mm -hmm. talking to our people for years, man, about mm -hmm. making the transition from sharecroppers to shareholders. Yes. And really understanding what has happened with this new tax reform bill. Yes. You know, and one of the things I hope it forces us to do is I reflect on 2017 is I really hope that it forces us to set up our own corporations. Uh -huh. Um, the corporations and wealthy individuals, if you're not making $250,000 a year or more, you know, this new tax reform is not even going to impact you, right? Not and all. so it's time for yeah. us to become wealthy because what they just did was they basically gave wealthy people a $1.2 trillion or $1.5 trillion tax break. Yes, yes. That's hey. as much money. That's as much money as black folks spend annually. Now, Richard, let me tell you this, because <laughs> what you just said was really powerful. And and one of the things that happens is we react. We react to what's happening to us versus plan for it. And when when I heard that this tax bill was going through the House and the Senate, you know, I started looking into it. And I, I, I wanted to know how much money will I need to make in 2018 to experience tax cuts? So, so absolutely, you, you, you get where I'm going. Well, how much do my absolutely. business, my wife's business, how much do we need to make, you know, together so that way we can experience the benefits of this bill? So that way I'm not I'm not sitting back at effect of it saying, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this just happened. I can't believe they just passed this legislation. But instead, I'm saying, well, you know what? How can Let's, I benefit? How can I benefit from this? And, you know, what? let, let it motivate and inspire me to do more. So that way absolutely. I can experience the same benefits that they are looking to those who wrote the bill are looking to experience as well. Absolutely. One of the other things I want to encourage people to do, brother, is this. I've had a conversation this week with people about we have a mindset where we want to make less money so that we don't have to pay more time. Oh, man. Right? Hit it. That is totally anti-anything in terms of building wealth. That is not a proven or effective wealth strategy. Not at all. What wealthy people do is they make more money and they spend more money so they don't have to pay more taxes, right? There you go. So they know that when you have a corporation, when you own a stock in these corporations, when you own corporations, everything that you do with that corporation is, is some a, kind of a write-off for the is company. It's a business expense. And, yeah. Absolutely. I, I mean, and so what we want to teach our people to do is stop talking about making less so you can pay less. That's not the strategy. Yeah. The strategy is to make more so that you can invest more in yourself and your community. Absolutely. You can invest more in these not-for-profits that are struggling. You can invest more in our neighborhoods, right? Yep. Because you've got more discretionary income now. But I talk to people all the time who say, well, you know, no, I don't want to do this because I don't want my taxes to go up. 
Well, wealthy people don't worry about their taxes going up, and it. now we see why. Yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. you got somebody sitting in the White House that's going to give you a break if you make more. The thing that we have to get clear about this country is that more is better. It has always been that way in America. Absolutely. It is not about making less or staying under the radar so that you stay in the 15% tax bracket. If you're making a million dollars and you're in the 35% tax bracket, guess what? You still got $650,000 to work with. Yep. You know, so that's, it's like, and that's not bad. I mean, we got to just start changing our mindset and really improve our money intelligence quotient. And so I like your conversation this morning. I like where you're going with these topics. The only other one that I would add, brother, is, uh-huh. you know, we got to talk about education. Okay. You know, we got to talk about yep. it from the cradle to the grave because mm-hmm. what's happening to us in education is almost criminal. Yeah. You know, in terms of, you know, and I keep saying to my young people that I work with, please don't get it twisted. Education is a business. Oh, People yeah. are not asking you to go to these colleges and these universities, these private high schools, these public high schools, because they like you. Mm-hmm. There is money in education. Oh, yeah. People are yeah. making Lots trillions of, of dollars off of us in Lots education, of money. right? <laughs> and well, so I, that was the only other topic I would add well, to your top tier. But other than that, I'm right. I'm right in agreement with on everything that you know you're talking about. We could walk through this whole list, and you know I'd be more than willing to talk about any of those topics because I think you have the right perspective and i think you're approaching what we need to do annually yes you know to get ourselves in a position to take on this new year i'm so excited about 2018 2018 i don't know what to do brother <laughs> you, you should be i mean you you had a phenomenal 2017 and i, I thank you for the phone call man and, and, and keep listening and, and giving us a phone call i appreciate you thank you brother. all right man yeah great comments by richard let me back up to where, where you started and then i'm gonna go back to education he said that he shifted to veganism in 2017 and lost 65 pounds. I have a friend, close friend of mine, six, seven brother carried his weight very well. He said he was close to 300 pounds. I didn't even realize he was close to 300 pounds. He switched to veganism and he lost 40 pounds. I saw that brother last week. We sat down and, and broke bread and had a conversation. He's, he's currently living in California and when I saw him, he stood, you know, he stood up and took off his coat before he sat down. And I looked and I said, man, you look great. He said, man, I, I, I'm a vegan now. And uh, he said, I feel great. I feel lighter. A lot of his health afflictions, a lot of things that had been nagging at him for years, all of it just went away. All based on diet. And those of you who listen to me on a regular basis, you know I talk about your inputs become your outputs. Your inputs become your outputs. And if you put good things into your body, then your ability to deliver with energy, your ability to deliver with clarity, your ability ability to do the things that you want to do without being exhausted and tired will begin to transform based on how you transform your body, based on how you eat, and take care of yourself. So kudos to Richard for sharing that. And then education. I want to say this about education. So I, I sit on the board. I sit on the board at a, a community college here in the city, actually Triton College. And one of the things that we discussed last year that that really, really was upsetting to me was the entry exams for students that were coming into the college. And what we were trying to figure out is how do we, one, retain the students as they come into the doors, because it's almost like a revolving door in a lot of these community colleges. So one, how do we retain them? But number two, how do we ensure that they have the math 
and reading scores they need to actually move straight into college courses. Now, why is that important? That's important because with college courses, you know, you're paying, you're paying money for a course that will not lead to graduation, right? If you're not in a college course, if you have to take a college prep course or a fundamental math course because you can't take that college one-on-one math course, then that's money that you're paying at college that you should, you know, basically for information that you should have gathered while you were in high school. And so I asked, I said, how is this happening? Like, why, why are these numbers so low and dismal? And they didn't have the answer for me at that particular meeting. So the next quarter, when we all sat down, they came back with the answer. And the answer was that the state, the state has lowered the requirement for math in high school. So now all you have to do is three years of math. Now, let's think about this, right? If I do math my freshman, sophomore, and junior year, and then I take my senior year off, like anything else, I talk about this all the time, even if you if math was a strength, if you stop operating in that strength, if you stop working in that strength, that strength will fall off. And so by the time they get into college and they take the prep work or they take the test, They've lost a lot of those skills and they find themselves behind and taking pre-college courses versus the courses they should have been taking. And so my here's the thing I'll tell parents. We as parents must insist that our children do four years of math. It doesn't matter if the state says three. It doesn't matter if the school says, oh, they don't have to take that one. As a parent, you can insist that your child does four years of math, four years of reading, and that they're coming out of high school well prepared for college. Because one of the things that we're finding is when they have to take so many prep courses, many of them drop out. And they're not getting that advanced degree, that associate's degree and that bachelor's degree like uh, we would desire for them to. So thanks for those comments. Great comments. Um, Again, for anyone else who's listening who would like to share, the phone number is 773-591. 1690. All right. So number eight is Charlottesville, Charlottesville, Virginia. Now, somehow on a Friday in August in Charlottesville, Virginia, it spelled out that that moment spelled out for all of us what many of us had already known and others have tried to avoid. America is sick and its sickness is what I would call a multi-generational disease called racism. Now, this disease has always been there. Let's be clear from the founding of this country. The disease has been there, but at times the symptoms, they're not readily visible. And 2017 marked a year in America where the symptoms are obvious and easily seen. America is sick. Now, here's the crazy part. I can remember some years back where there would be debate about racism, about whether or not racism was still a factor. And here we are, 2018, and I don't think anybody will debate that racism is a problem in in America And that it is probably one of the number one sicknesses of this country, period. And it's something that needs to be addressed. And if this country is going to heal and move forward, 
that racism is something that this country has to come to terms with. One, how do you come to terms with that? Well, you come to terms with it by actually admitting that America, that you built this country on the back of the institution of racism and slavery. And that because of that, you have basically, in a lot of ways, taken a whole race of people and misused them and mistreated them. And some type of recompense, some type of reparation is necessary. All right. So that's my take on Charlottesville. That's to me. August showed us how sick this country was. I mean, we knew it, but there's no denying it. Number eight on my list. All right. Okay. Number seven. The California fires. Now, let let me let me talk about the California fires real quick, because I don't believe that unless you are in California, you understand how horrible these fires have been. For some reason, the media shows snippets of it, but I, I don't think they've really done a good job of helping us understand how terrible these fires are. Now, I'm going to walk through it for you. So by the time I finish number seven, you will be very clear on the devastation that these wildfires are causing in California. Okay, so the wildfires that have ravaged California in 2017, one, they cause historic levels of death and destruction. And get this, nearly 9,000 wildfires have consumed the state. 9,000 wildfires. Actually, over 9,000 wildfires have consumed the state. And... They've burnt about 1.2 million acres of land. All right. Now, to put that in perspective, that is an area the size of Delaware. You know, a whole state in the union. And they've destroyed more than 10,000 structures, have killed at least 46 people and injured more than 40. These California fires. And by the way. As I speak, the fires still burn. They're still burning. Worse yet, check this out. The National Interagency Fire Center, their predictive outlook for 2018 is forecasting above normal large fire potential due to the persistence of dry fuels. Dry fuel is basically the tender, the grass. So dry fuels, frequent offshore winds from the ocean, and generally unfavorable weather. Now, when they say generally unfavorable weather, I'm going to tell you my my interpretation of that is unfavorable weather due to climate change. Okay? So California fires, that's number seven. And it's something that we should be watching, okay, for a number of reasons. One is... Everybody fighting those fires aren't necessarily firemen. Some of them are prisoners. And I don't think folks know that. So, you know, when you when you start to ask yourself why some of these things aren't covered in the media the way they should be. Or, you know, man, it seems like, you know, fires burning in California would be sensational. Seems like they would they would have done a deep dive on that in the media. The problem is if they do a deep dive in the media, people start finding out things about the fires and how we're fighting the fires 
and the process with the fires that they don't want everybody to know. So stay woke, folks. You know, keep watching and asking questions because this, my friend, is something that we all should be watching because it's in California right now. But as weather changes and global warming is number three on my list, as weather continues to change, this could be something that is impacting others in other parts of the country faster than I think we may even anticipate. All right. So number six is Colin Kaepernick and the NFL. Now, let's talk about the NFL first, because the NFL, in a lot of ways, has been the envy of most professional sports leagues for at least the last decade. And one of the reasons the NFL has been the envy is mainly due to their television ratings and the subsequent television contracts and deals that have come from those ratings. All right. Now, only time will tell, but 2017 looks to have been a pivotal year for the NFL, partly due to Colin Kaepernick's stand to take a knee in 2016. Pun intended. Okay. Now, Colin's stand and then his perceived blackballing by the NFL owners resulted in NFL boycotts that appeared to have taken a toll on the NFL's television ratings. Now, let's be clear about the boycotts because the boycotts have happened from both sides. Okay. The boycotts have happened from individuals who can't stand to watch someone protest the star spangled banner. All right. So that's where some of the boycotts have come from. And then other parts of the boycotts have come from woke and conscious African-Americans who have said, wait a second, this doesn't look good. And I refuse to support an organization that is conducting themselves this way when the majority of the players are African-American and they're taking a stand for racial injustices and how policing is done in the United States. Okay. Those are the two directions where these poor boycotts came from. Now, these boycotts, the consequence of the boycotts has been that NFL television ratings are down almost 10%. Not almost down. They are down almost 10% in the 2017 regular season. And that's a big deal. Now, let me, let me put this in perspective. In 2017, games were watched by 1.6 million fewer people as compared to previous years. So the question I have, and this is something that we'll have to continue to watch in terms of the NFL, is, is this the beginning of the end for this sports giant? And when I say the end, maybe the end of their reign, their dominance in terms of sports leagues, right? Because events like the Super Bowl and the playoffs, et cetera, typically in the past have brought in quite a bit of money. I noticed that um last weekend's bowl game brought in the same amount of money as a wild card game, 11.7. And in the past, the NFL would have highly, pat, you know, highly exceeded the overall 
except money earned from something like that. And it's just not, you know, basically college football is, is almost matched with them in terms of revenues. So this is, I mean, this is an interesting thing to watch. Regardless of where you are, I know there's still some people who say, oh, man, I'm still watching the NFL. I know when I go into the barbershop, I get picked on because, you know, I didn't I didn't watch the season. Now, you're not watching. You don't know what's going on. Yeah, you're right. I don't know what's going on. And, you know, that's how it's going to be right now, because that's that's my personal stance. And I share with them every time they have a conversation with me why they should be feeling the same way. But nonetheless, uh, the NFL is on my list at number six, and it is something that we should continue to watch as we go into 27, 2018. All right. Okay. Number five. Number five on the list is hurricanes. Hurricanes. All right. And I'm not talking about a sports team here. I'm talking about the real deal hurricanes that hit us in 2017. Now, here's why hurricanes made my list for 2017. Because 2017 marked a hostile hurricane season. You had Hurricanes Harvey, Hurricane Irma, Hurricane Jose, Hurricane Maria, Hurricane Ophelia, um, being the most notable of many of the storms that pounded Mexico, the Caribbean, and the American coastlines. All right. And while Hurricane Harvey is considered to be, you know, the most memorable hurricane of 2017. And part of the reason is because it, it came so far inland, right? The tropical storm came so far inland and, and, and it basically flooded out. It had a huge impact on Houston. In my mind, Hurricane Maria has revealed the symptoms of Americans' disease yet again. All right. Now, you might say, well, Linnell, what are you talking about? The devastation of Hurricane Maria on Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands was prolific. And it seems that very little has been done by the United States to come to the aid of the citizens of color. All right. Now, that's not just me talking. The New York Times recently shared an article in December about Puerto Rico titled the official toll in Puerto Rico, 64, all right, the actual deaths may be 1,052. And in this article, what they did is they basically mirrored the death rate in Puerto Rico back in 2016, and then they laid over it the death rate in 2017. So initially they said, all right, 64 people died from the hurricane, which, by the way, is horrible. All right. I mean, in terms of the death rate for hurricanes in any United States territory. All right. So let's be clear about that. But then they laid this over and they begin to find that in parts of Puerto Rico, the death rates for dehydration, sickness, lack of food skyrocketed all throughout the island. And. In fact, the death rate might be actually the number I just shared, 1,052. Also, since Hurricane Maria, over 300,000 inhabitants have left the island. 
So just because the hurricane hit in September 2017 doesn't mean that in 2018, Puerto Rico doesn't still need our help. That's number five on the list of the observations of 2017. All right. So number four on my list is fairly notable. But before I go to that, I got a phone call from Raymond. So, Raymond, how are you? You're on the air. Happy New Year, brother. Happy New Year to you, my friend. I appreciate the fact that you're doing a great, great um, list that you started already. I just wanted to, after you've noticed how Hollywood has also changed, I don't know if it's one of your list upcoming, but um, Hollywood has been doing some interesting changes as well. I think starting in 2015, they only evolved in 2017. Mm-hmm. And um, it has a lot to do with influencing us to believe the way they want us to believe. And also kind of lining up with some prophecy of, of even the Bible and how, you know, it's, it's just changing. Things are changing. And uh, Hollywood definitely outlines and is documenting it. And I want to know if that was something that you had noticed as well. No, n- not in particular. That, that's not an observation that I made. But is, is there something is there something specific that you, you want to share outside of what you've already shared? Yeah, um, I mean, if people haven't recognized it, Hollywood is actually pretty much run by a lot of the elite and how the government, even the American government, has some strings in what Hollywood portrays. And everything from images to storylines are repeated, you know what I mean? But they're, they're showing us things on purpose giving us symbols on purpose and trying to give us an opportunity to get a hint for it's really a real reality. And a lot of people think that sci-fi is fiction, but sometimes sci-fi is actually a real actual experience that they've only put on, on film to almost give us a, a, not just a preview, but just to see our reaction. You know what I mean? Right, and um, right. it's just something that I think people should be aware of mm-hmm. because this is a thing called a sign in Holland but they've been giving images on in Hollywood about, and that CERN is a very major problem for even the scientist Hawkins. Hawkins doesn't believe that we should even be doing it, but other scientists that are also run by the elite, and we're actually funding <laughs> with the help of possibly cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. That CERN is, is doing some things that are, are that's going to be really interesting for the scientific world where they're creating antimatter, you know what I mean? Uh, and yeah, hard. Yeah. Hollywood is kind of like giving us previews, but th- but it's interesting how a lot of people don't recognize that these these movies are not necessarily just fictional experiences. They're actually really real and kind of like giving us almost some Luciferian reactions. Yeah. You know what, Raymond? I appreciate, I appreciate you bringing that because if you listen to me on a regular basis, I think, you know, one of the things I talk about is, you know, inputs, outputs, and... Yeah. One of the things I've noticed about Hollywood is how they misrepresent history. I think it was the movie Gods of Egypt, where the preview itself made me laugh because all of the characters that were Egyptian were Caucasians. Yep. And it completely misrepresents what history is. But even in you talking about antimatter, what came to my mind was this whole idea of uh, artificial intelligence. Exactly. And that's that. And the ultimate um, storyline that's being being portrayed that America mm-hmm. thinks that they're they're 
there is natural, but these little robots are ultimately their their goal of replacing us and giving us, mm-hmm. you know, less power in the world. Well, and here's and here's the thing about artificial intelligence. I think it's not a secret that Elon Musk is completely against it, and I think that's interesting because he's one of you know, he's proven himself within the 21st century to be one of the innovators of our time. Right. And but when it comes to artificial intelligence, he's saying that it's something that should not be messed with. It's something that we should not be doing and that it can lead to ruin. Now, check this out. So I was just reading an article on Twitter last week where Google shared that they did some tests with artificial intelligence. And basically the test is they asked the artificial intelligence to compete against a human being and gathering fruit. Okay. And in order, in order to gather the fruit, they gave the artificial intelligence a laser and, and then it told it to compete. And what they notice is as the artificial intelligence began losing, it got frighteningly aggressive. And they also, Google also said this is concerning to them. And it's something that we should all be watching in terms of how we're developing technology. So when you talk about, you know, antimatter, right, right away, that's another form of technology. It came to mind artificial intelligence. And you're right that in a lot of ways, Hollywood can impact how we think about these things. And we say, oh, well, it'll be okay when in essence it may not be okay. And uh, we should do a lot more learning and stay a lot more privy to what's happening in those arenas. So thank you for that, man. Yes, sir. And, and it's okay. ultimately, I mean, I don't know how people really see the government of America, unfortunately, but we are under a serious attack by them, and they're not going to tell us that. Yes. But they will begin to attack our minds and attack, uh, you know, our, our way of thinking, and even with social media, which is also kind of run by them as well. You know, we just have to recognize and be more conscious of what we do, even Facebook, even but you say Google, even Yahoo, um, mm-hmm. not Yahoo, even YouTube, like all of these are really um, tools that are being used to influence us. Since the television people programming is going down, you mentioned NFL going down, yep. not just NFL, but a lot of television programming has gone down in ratings because people are coming more aware. Banking, the banking system is also going down because people are being more aware that their money is not necessarily safe coming to the banks. Yeah. Yep. Coming to the banks. You know what I mean? So. Yep. Thank you for, for this list. I really appreciate it. And keep on going. You All did right. a great job. As usual. All right, brother. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Thank, thank okay. you. All right. All right. Good phone call. Hadn't thought about anti-matter. And in, in, in fact, I, I did read an article some time ago that Stephen Hawkins said, stop it. Um, and for those of you who don't know who Stephen Hawkins is, he is uh, known as quite the genius. Um, he has physical incapacities, but in terms of his mind, you know, beautiful mind. And uh, so interesting stuff, all things that we should be aware of and thinking about. So thanks for, thanks for that phone call, <clears throat> Raymond. All right. Okay, so that leads me to number four on my list. And this one I think we can have some good dialogue about. So once again, if you're listening and you have something you want to share or you have a comment, Question, give me a phone call, 773-591-1690. But number four on my list is hashtag me too. Hashtag me too. Now, let me ask you a question. Isn't it ironic that the same year Wonder Woman is released at the box office as the first female-led superhero movie 
that women across the nation also began to regain their power to stand up against mixed, uh, sexual misconduct. I think you're just talking about the impact of Hollywood, right? Now, Raymond just got off the phone talking about that. I have to think that there's some correlation there. Okay. But this is what I call, this is definitely my one, two punch combo of 2017 because while I was saddened to hear the tales that women shared of their silent suffering at the hands of spineless predators like Harvey Weinstein and many others, I also watched in awe as they displayed the courage to take their power back. Okay. Now, regardless of race, religion, or gender, Every human being deserves to be fully respected. And in 2017, the hashtag Me Too movement created a spark that ignited a flame that I believe has burned quite a few. Well, not believe we've seen it burn quite a few influential men. Right. By revealing their dirty secrets. And let me tell you about about this. So, you know, I'm a man. But as a man and a leader in corporate America, back when I was in corporate America, I did my best to make sure, number one, that no woman ever felt, ever felt disadvantaged one by working for me. Number two, that I gave them the utmost respect, right, for a lot of reasons, right, for a lot of reasons. Um, one, because of the respect I have for my own mother. Two, because of the respect I have for my three little sisters. And three, because it's the right thing. It is the right thing. And I was blown away, you know, by some of the things I heard men were doing to women. Not just in Hollywood, but even in the corporate arena. Okay. And um I'm telling you, I believe I have a feeling. That this fire is going to continue to burn throughout 2018 and beyond. You know, we heard about Harvey Weinstein. We heard about Matt Lauer. We've seen the list of different men that have been exposed. You know, we had a, a Senate campaign where Roy Moore, <laughs> we learned a lot about him and what he did. And by the way, it still became a close race. So you can, we can see the disregard that the establishment has for women in a lot of ways. I think that it's starting to come to a head and I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy about it. I'm happy about the movement and I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that women are one finding their voices and speaking out about these type of things because it, it's not okay. It's not okay. And again, playing the role of chief diversity officer in the fortune 500 company, I saw firsthand the impact that this can have on women. I saw women who sat in my office who were stressed out, who were losing their hair, who were losing weight, not in a healthy way, because of what was going on for them. So once again, you know, I'm uh it's unfortunate, but this hashtag me too is something that has happened. And I wouldn't be surprised if more people we find out more uh, prestigious men um, that we've looked up to find themselves at the other end of this particular dialogue, this hashtag me too.
If you are a man out there, brothers, we got to be responsible. And, you know, I'll tell you this, though. I'm proud of I'm proud of uh, black men in power because I think we had out of that whole list one or two that were accused and, uh, you know, black men in power. I think we already know that we have to conduct ourselves a particular type of way that that power can be ripped from underneath us very quickly. I mean, it, it looks like uh, white men are beginning to realize that as we enter the 21st century, things are changing. The landscape of America is changing. One of the reasons we have all this gerrymandering and, and uh, the GOP is up in arms the way they are is because they see the landscape of this country changing. And I'll talk more about that when we get to number one on my list. But once again, Hashtag me too is number four. And I think something very notable going into 2018 that we need to continue to pay attention to. All right. Okay. So, all right. Number three on the list, global warming. Now, let me talk before I even go into, you know, my notes here about global warming. Let me talk about global warming in a way that hopefully resonates with everyone that's listening because i think sometimes this concept like we get it but i don't think we like we really can grasp it because even though we've had a hot summer last year i'm not sure that we understand the type of impact that global warming is having on our environment so i'm, I'm gonna give you an example i'm a scuba diver and Scuba diving, one of the, one of the areas that global warming is impacting is the ocean. And as a scuba diver, I actually had someone on Periscope who was from Australia. As a scuba diver, I've had the opportunity to dive the Great Barrier Reef. I, I dove the Great Barrier Reef, I believe, back in maybe 2014, 2015. No, actually 2013. I believe it was 2013. No, 2012. I'm sorry. It's a long time ago. 2012, I dived the Great Barrier Reef. And recently, so let me give you an example. The Great Barrier Reef, I mean, <laughs> miles and miles of reefs and coral and, and sea life. All right. Recently, I was watching a YouTube video of divers diving the same reef I dove in 2012. All right. So that was six years ago. And the reef looked barren. There was no life. And it made me really sad that in six years the Great Barrier Reef could undergo a transformation like that due to ocean warming. And that's where, right now, that is where you can see the devastating impact of global warming. Underneath the water, you can see it, okay? Not everybody's a scuba diver, so you, you, you can't necessarily see and feel it that same way. What's happening in California with those wildfires, that is the impact of global warming. If you wonder why it's not in the media the way it should be is because they don't want you to get concerned. They don't want you to step up and say, now, wait a second. Then why did we take away tax incentives for electric cars? You know, that doesn't make sense. If that's going to help us with global warming, they don't want you to start asking those type of questions. But when it comes to global warming, global warming is an issue. It's number three on my list and it's an issue now. In terms of 2017, 2017 was the second 
hottest year on record ever. Okay. And it's the hottest year on record without El Nino. In fact, it was the hottest year without El Nino by a wide margin. If I'm not mistaken, like a little under two degrees Celsius. All right. You know, like, oh, two degrees, the ocean's rising, you know, uh, so many inches and six feet, you know, ah, it doesn't matter. But that has an impact. That has an impact. Okay. So hottest year without El Nino by a wide margin. 2017 was also hotter than 2015, which at the time was by far the hottest year on record, thanks to part because of a strong El Nino. All right. So let's put this in perspective. 2017 was hotter than 2015, which was an El Nino year. That's a problem, folks. All right. Now, global warming in 2017 was personally marked by me by a heartbreaking photograph I saw on NationalGeographic.com of a starving polar bear. And let me tell you something. When I saw the picture of the polar bear, it broke my heart because to witness the power of a polar bear, like when you think about a polar bear, a polar bear is big, it's fat, it's powerful. And to witness a powerful animal like that reduced to skin and bones should be sobering for every human being on this planet. And the question that I had to ask myself when I when I saw that picture, was how long will it take before global warming begins to have the same impact on our families and on us? And this is something that, you know, we can sit up and we can stay entertained and we can uh, ignore it, but eventually it will show up at our doorstep and we will have to do something about it. And right now there's still an opportunity to reverse this thing. And so we just, we have to be. We must be more aware, more responsible for our environment and for the good planet that we live on. Okay, I got a couple of phone calls. One is on global warming. So, West, how are you? Thank you for giving us a phone hey, call. Happy New Year. Peace and blessing, my brother. Hey, man, look here. I listen to you all the time. I talked to you before a couple of times when you was on our Apostoline show. Okay, okay. But look here, man. We got so many insinuating circumstances going on with this planet, right? Number one is that, remember when that, uh, that nuclear plant exploded in Japan. Yes, yes. And it's dumping all that stuff in the sea. All the radiation, yeah. all that radiation into the ocean. Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, sir. And it's killing all the fish. That's why uh, the, the sea life is all messed up. I mean, because the polar bears ain't got nothing to eat because it's messed up the food chain with the plankton. But another insinuating circumstances yep. is them chemtrails they spraying, man. Every day you look up and you yeah. see spraying them chemtrails. Yep. And, and they're trying to block the sun out, man. Because they know that black people, uh, our hairs only have that grow towards the sun, man. We need that sunlight, that vitamin D. Uh-huh. Okay? And that's how they uh, they, they blocking the sun, out, and our hair grow towards the sun. And so that melanin, they're tricking our sisters, man, particularly. Okay? Because mm-hmm. they they know I, that, that sunlight is our antenna. So they're tricking these sisters to put that fake hair on top of their head, and it's blocking their blessings. You mm. saying the insight to wow. the most high creator. Wow. The insight to the most high creator, man. If you see these systems, you can tell if they got uh, been treated, they got that fake hair. What they do? They just slap it themselves upside the head, man. 
Wow. You know, I I hadn't thought about it like that because in in particular, vitamin D. Last year I was doing some research. So last year I, I made a significant shift in health and, you know, I was doing a lot of research. One of the things I came across is part of the reason for the high rates of cancer in the African American community is lack of vitamin D. Because we're now in this civilized culture where we don't get a lot of sun. When we are in the sun, we're not spending enough time in the sun because we have melanin. You know, it requires us to spend time in the sun. And that sun actually provides us the energy and the healing that our body needs. And because we're not getting that, there's a higher rate of cancer in the African-American community. Not necessarily, I mean, you can say health and, and what we're eating, what we're putting in our bodies, but they contributed it to. In particular, vitamin D deficiency. And because there's no vitamin D, the cells aren't replicating properly as they do in Africans and people with melanin. And that's why we're seeing higher rates of cancer in our society. So when you say, hey, we're blocking the sun, you know, with our hair, our, you know, our women are blocking the sun with the weave and things like that. I had never considered that weave in particular could actually be creating illness in the body. Yes, sir. Because the top of your head is the first thing that hits you when you walk out the door. You're right. The sun right on your head. You're right. Right on your head. And, and that's the message in the antenna from the most high yacht, man. That message gives you it's thought, word, action. Okay? If they block your thought, then you all messed up. You wow. Feel wow. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Well, Wes, thank you for that contribution, man. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. I'm just trying to connect the dots. Man. Absolutely. Can, Absolutely. That's good stuff. Connect the dots, man. Just, just go outside and let that sunlight bust you in the head, man. See what, why, how you going to think. And, and particularly in this, in this time right here. This our time, man. Yeah. 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 No, it's good stuff, man. Very good stuff. I appreciate it. Peace and blessing, bro. All right. All right. Okay. You know, the other thing in terms of what he was sharing, right? So the research I did around vitamin D. And the impact of vitamin D on the, the black body, a body with melanin, right? But the other thing somebody just said in the comments is GMO versus organic food. You know, so again, inputs, outputs, and even how we handle supplements and things like that. I, you know, I do believe we just have to be a lot more conscious and, and thoughtful about these type of things. So great phone call. All right. I got Maurice. Maurice, you're on the air. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Brother Lionel. God bless you, sir. Good to hear you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to hear this program change because the last thing we need to do is go into a new year rehashing the same old problems. We'll start off 2019 where we were last year. But um, Mr. Scuba Diver, I do a lot of reading because I got tired of being ignorant, right? And then okay. I learned that we were kept out of books purposely for a couple of centuries. And that really hurt us as a people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm wondering if uh, you, there's a pop quiz for you, right? I ain't trying to put you on the spot enough. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Do you know, <laughs> do you know what the the, uh, the acronym, acronym SCUBA stands for? I don't. I don't. Self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. Ah, yeah. yeah. Well, you're right. You know, actually, that's something. <laughs> that, in order to get certified, you have to learn that. So, yeah. Yes. And I don't even die. Yep. No, that's good, <laughs> but, man. That's very that's, good. Yeah, it comes from just reading general knowledge, yep. general information, man. And that's what made a thug from Detroit called Detroit Red mm-hmm. turn him into a Malcolm X. 
reading. You're right. You're right. And it'll do the same thing for all of us. But uh, I, I know you uh, haven't got to number one and two yet on your your list of um, priorities mm-hmm. of uh, well, you know, important things. But I'm thinking that Africa should begin to be a very, very high priority for everybody on Earth, man. Because here we are over here in the USA. We're trying to work. We're trying mm-hmm. to fill out applications and resumes and. And God got a continent over there that will feed, shelter, and clothe the world. It is the richest piece of real estate on earth. Amen. And we're over here, we're over here struggling. So I'm, I'm wondering what you feel about that, my brother. You keep the faith and the money in the family, black man. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that, Maurice. Wow. You know, so here's what I think of it. I was reading an article where historic numbers of African Americans have moved to Ghana. And I don't know that we all know this, but Ghana has legislation in their constitution, right? They have an amendment in their constitution. That's probably the right way to say that. An amendment in their constitution that basically welcomes African-Americans, right? So there's a a piece where they said as a forgiveness to African-Americans for the, the slavery trade, we are welcoming African-Americans to our shores. So your ability to get a visa and to get, I think what they call it, not citizenship, but um, I forget what they call it, but you can basically live in Ghana very easily as an African-American. But that's, that's not just the only thing. The second thing that they provided as an amendment to the constitution of Ghana is that African-Americans that come over that want to invest in the country will be given plots of land, acres of land. So when Maurice says that Africa has everything that the world needs, you know, that's something that we need to know because in a lot of ways, these heads of state, they know it. They know it. I was watching a video of a conversation between the uh, the French president and the current president of Ghana. And the current president of Ghana surprised the French president by saying, hey, thank you for what you've done, but we no longer want your assistance. We have to get to a point where we can create our own education systems, where we can take care of our own affairs, where we can pave our own roads and build our own schools and build our own institutions. And thank you for the years that you all have been providing or giving to us in what you may want to call quote unquote charity, but we no longer need your charity. These are things that we have learned to do. We are going to do, and we're going to move forward doing now this happened in 2017. So I think Maurice, you know, you made a really, a really good point (laughs) in terms of Africa being something that we need to be watching. I think going into 2018, definitely there's, you know, I've been to Africa. It is not portrayed the way that most of us think about. I would challenge you to Google Lagos, Nigeria, to Google Eco Atlantic to see what's happening in Nigeria that rivals what's happened in Dubai along the coastline there. I mean, Africa is developing. And when I say Eco Atlantic, you want to Google EKO Atlantic. I think you'll be shocked by what you see. This is. You know, again, development that I believe we can all be proud of, development that 
in my opinion, is very attractive and should be a destination, a destination choice for everyone, not just African-Americans, but everyone who is looking to to not only deepen themselves culturally, but looking for opportunity, looking for investment opportunity. Africa is the place to be. So great phone call. And thank you for adding that. You can maybe call that number 11 on my list of top observations, because while it's in my space, you know, I was kind of I was thinking more of what's happening here in the States. But for those of us who are in the States and, you know, potentially looking for options, Ghana should be on your radar. So very good call. Okay, well, let's go to number two. Number two that I have on the list here is North Korea. Now, you have to be under a rock somewhere if you didn't hear the media talk about North Korea. They had no problem talking about that, partly because it's scary, right? Um, and it produces fear. But, you know, you have to take a look at, you know, 2017, because 2017 in particular was a, a very monumental year in terms of what North Korea has done. Kim Jong-un, the leader of North Korea, he announced January 2nd, 2017, he made it, how I use my words, right? I talk about declarations. He made a declaration to the world that they were in the last stage of preparation to test fire an intercontinental ballistic missile and that they would do it in 2017. And by February 11th, North Korea launched its first missile. It wasn't intercontinental, but it was their first missile. And they launched that into the Sea of Japan. And by May 14th, they launched another missile, supposedly strong enough to carry a nuclear warhead. And then on September 3rd, they claimed, they made the claim that they have their first hydrogen bomb, right? So if you if you haven't really been keeping up and you're wondering, well, why is North Korea such a big deal? Who cares about North Korea? We could whip North Korea in a fight. Let me tell you something. You have to pay attention to these type of things because a country that has completely misaligned themselves with the United Nation misaligned themselves and not not you know other countries have misaligned themselves but for other reasons but misaligned themselves because they say hey you know what we're gonna do what we want to do and by the way the united states of america is enemy number one and they're led by someone who you can consider unstable the same way a lot of us consider president donald trump there should be you know cause for concern now get this on the fourth of july North Korea launched its first intercontinental ballistic missile. And I'm pretty sure the date was not a coincidence. Okay. So, you know, North Korea is something that, you know, we should be watching. And in a lot of ways, you know, it was, I would say that North Korea shares my yikes for 2017 with my number one. Yikes. And something that you kind of like, ooh. So hopefully something gives in, in 2018 on December 22nd, the United Nations imposed new sanctions on North Korea. The only problem with that is that Kim Jong-un then said that that was an act of war. And a few days later, so on I believe December 22nd, the United Nations imposed sanctions on Christmas, December 25th. Kim Jong-un said, well, that's an act of war. We are now at war. So we have to see what happens from there. My hope and prayer 
is that something gives in 2018. Okay, so that leads us to number one on my list, which was the inauguration of President Donald Trump. Okay, now I didn't prepare a whole lot of comments on that one. And the reason is because I don't have to. You know, because we have been overwhelmed and consumed by media of his presidency. And now the latest Fire and Fury, this new book that is, you know, supposedly a tell all of what's happening in the White House. But nonetheless, you know, 2017 has been an interesting year with that. And I was my wife and I, we were talking. And what I was sharing with her is that the universe operates on certain laws. Okay. One of these laws is called Pareto's law. It's the 80-20 principle. And basically, you will always see pendulum shifts. And I'm sharing this as a word of encouragement to some of us who have been worn out already by one year of this presidency. So you have to remember that when you're going for progress, the pendulum will make violent shifts. All right. So think of it this way. You know, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama is elected and he's the president for eight years. And there's a pendulum shift, right? In some ways, not in all ways, but in some ways, there's a pendulum shift in what's happening. And and then consequently, the pendulum has to swing. OK, this is and this is the law of nature. The pendulum has to swing. And so it's not surprising to see a president, Donald Trump. And one of the beautiful things about a pendulum swing like that is, you know, almost to polar opposite sides is that the pendulum will swing back again. And so what we really should be thinking about is how to prepare ourselves for this next election cycle. There's an election cycle in 2018 that we can change what's happening in the House of Representatives and in the Senate. You know, what are we going to do about that? How are we thinking about that in terms of our futures? Right. And then we'll have, you know, the election of 2020. How are we preparing in terms of candidates and who we will support? We get caught in this conversation about Republican and Democrat and the Democrats don't do anything for us. But then why can't we? And right now, while we are in a lot of ways suffering from this pendulum shift of the Trump presidency, begin to organize and create who the next president will be in expectation or even declaration of saying the pendulum must shift back. So that will be my word as we as we finish up the list of the top 10 observations If you're just joining and you didn't have the opportunity to hear all 10 of my observations, then you can definitely watch the show again on YouTube, both parts of the show on YouTube by subscribing to me on YouTube at Linnell Harris. And you can also see the rerun of the shows on the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page. If you follow me on Facebook, you can also see it there. And just one more time, my top 10 observations of 2017. Number 10 was... The Amazon purchase of Whole Foods. Number nine was cryptocurrency. Number eight was Charlottesville. Number seven was the California fires. Number six was Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. 
Number five was the 2017 hurricanes with the emphasis on Hurricane Maria and what is happening in Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, number four was hashtag me too, the year of the woman. And number three was global warming. Number two was North Korea. And number one was President Donald Trump. So thank you all for listening to that. And, you know, those of you who listen to me on a regular basis know I can't just leave it there. I want to make sure that I, oh, and my wife put number 11 was education and number 12 was Africa in terms of, I talked about Ghana. So, yes, yes, ma'am, you are right. Thank you for that, wife, for adding those two, because I did talk a lot about education and how we as parents have to take, we have to step up and really take charge of education and the education of our young ones. And and then, of course, we talked about Ghana in particular after the phone call. So thank you for that. Okay. All right. So we talked about 2017. How do you live your dream in 2018? So as I shared before, one of the things that we want to do is, you know, we want to reflect. But reflection is to create aware, awareness around who we are, how we show up, and what it is that we want to create. That's the only reason for reflection. Otherwise, the past is the past, and it's of no use to us. So I'll start with this as we end the show on this Sunday of the first year. There's no greater prospect than that of a new beginning. And thinking about the beginning of any exciting opportunity or adventure upon which any of us will embark or have embarked, that beginning created within us a sense of anticipation, a sense of excitement, along with an optimistic uncertainty that we don't experience every day. And I want you to think about this. Think about when we celebrate these beginnings, you know, like, the, the beginning of a new job, right? New job, new pay. You know, you, you put on your best clothes that Monday. It's probably one of the only Mondays you don't mind going to work because everything is about to be new. Your attitude is new. How you show up is new. You're feeling good because it's a new beginning. It's the same thing with the new school year. I mean, you think about children. You know, by the end of the school year, they're ready to go. But then after a long summer, after a long summer, you'll have somebody who, who, uh, the children, they, they're, they're tired of playing with each other and they got the brand new school digs and the brand new backpack and the brand new books. And they're saying to themselves, I can't wait for this school year. Why? Because it's a new school year. And so they're filled with anticipation and excitement for the school year because it's a beginning. Another place to look is marriage, right? How many people get married and they're excited about getting married? They're excited about the possibility of creating a family and coming together. Then you talk to them five years later and they're like, oh, man, I, I have marriage. Don't do it. It's the worst. I remember when I was going to get married and some of my married friends who've been married for a while, they would tell me like, man, don't do it. It's the worst thing that you can possibly do. But at one point when they crossed that threshold for themselves, they were excited. They were full of anticipation. What happens to new beginnings? So there are a number of different occasions that explicitly mark a beginning. And each of these beginnings mark a special time in our lives. 
These occasions give us the opportunity to create a clean slate on which to paint the story of our life. That is why beginnings are so powerful. A clean canvas is the same gift that was given to Picasso. It's the same gift that was given to Da Vinci. It's the same gift that was given to Van Gogh. It's the same gift that was given to any artist, to Prince, to Michael Jackson, to the greats that we admire. They had a clean slate. A clean canvas is the same gift that was given to Bach, to Mozart, to Beethoven. A clean slate, the beginning of a brand new career. I mean, we watch sports, these rookies that come into the league, a clean slate. And guess what? We're all given that gift to 2018 for many of us is a clean slate. So how are we going to capitalize on this beginning? You know, what will be the differentiator on whether our canvas is filled with the brilliance and beauty of a Picasso, the tones and harmony of a Michael Jackson or a Prince? What will we do to differentiate 2018 and make it that same rhythm and harmony that we've experienced in the music that we love that started with the clean slate? In life, we are only given a finite number of beginnings, and they mark the opportunity and promise of a new canvas for each of us. What will your canvas say this year? What will you do? Do you have goals? Do you have dreams? How will you capitalize on those dreams? How will you start creating the masterpiece of your life in 2018? Because it's never too late to start. It's never too late to have a fresh beginning. This is the first Sunday of 2018. What will you do? I got a phone call. Linda, how are you? Welcome to the air. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. My name is Linda. I've downloaded your book. I'm also a student of yours with purpose, power, and possibility. Oh. And slay your goals. Okay, I'm okay. I'm so grateful to Melody for giving you the opportunity to be on on Sundays and for increasing your time. I'm very much impressed with the idea of creation. And in terms of being in my comfort zone, I have realized that a comfort zone is uncomfortable. Mm, yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I like how you said that a comfort zone is uncomfortable. Why do you say that, Linda? Why do you say a comfort zone is uncomfortable? Okay, because it doesn't make us realize all of our possibilities. Mm. You're absolutely 100% correct. The comfort zone does not, we will never realize our possibility in the comfort zone. And so, it, you know, this is one of the reasons why many of us are uncomfortable. You're right, because we're so given to the comfort of the comfort zone that it's making us uncomfortable in our lives and how we live every day. And, uh, Linda, you said you're a member of, you're a Slay Your Goals member? Yeah. How is that program working for you so far? Okay, you know what? Right now I'm working on 
has its power and possibility. Okay. So you, Let me get through that. Okay. All right. So you're going through the purpose course. So how is that working for you so far? It's working for me. It is not making light bulb moments, but it actually makes the sun shine. Mm. Mm. Well, you know what? I'm I'm happy to hear that. Because part of the reason I wrote that curriculum and created that online course is for people like you who are looking to really step into their power. That's one of the reasons it's called Purpose, Power, Possibility. So those of you who are listening, Linda's talking about my online course, Purpose, Power, Possibility. On uh, You can actually find it on MurderMediocrity.com. And it's, the, it's a course, an online course, 25 modules, where I teach you how to distinguish your purpose on the planet, how to identify your personal power, and then create the possibility for your life from that place. And so how far have you gotten, Linda? I'm at the part where you really talk about creation. Mm, okay. And it's like your passion, even when you talk about creation, I almost felt like we needed a seatbelt. Okay. Uh-huh. Because uh, when I got to that point, I had to shut down the computer and just sit back and think about that. Yeah, yeah. And so I will go online today. I will complete the purpose, power, and possibility, but I will also review. I will also review because Mm -hmm. I have become a little passive, and I need to become more active in terms of where I want to see my life go. Absolutely. And I think this is very beneficial. Well, Linda, you're, you're more than welcome. I, and I thank you. I thank you for the trust in, in one, purchasing the course, being a member, because in order, in order to do that, you have to put your money where your mouth is and actually say, you know what? I'm going to purchase this because I trust that I can use this information to take my life to the next level. So anybody who's listening, who's interested, you can go to murdermediocrity.com and purchase the purpose, power, possibility course. And then, of course, anyone who's looking to create powerfully in 2018, you should also be becoming a Slayer Goals member. Become a Slayer Goals member because I'm teaching the methodology for how to set goals and achieve goals in 2018. So everything I talk about on the radio and more. As a matter of fact, next week we have our first conference call, our first coaching and training conference call. So looking forward to that. So, Linda, thank you so much. Thank you for the phone call. That was beautiful. All right. Well. Thank you all for listening. This was, uh, my wife is saying, remind them to download the book. So you can download the book for free, Slay Your Goals, at slayyourgoals.com. You can download that book for free. As a matter of fact, somebody just called in and said, where can you buy the book? And so the book is actually free. The membership is not free. So if you want to get the Slay Your Goals pack, the Slay Your Goals pack is available for $37, you get the audio, you get you get a couple of uh, audio compilations of, of all my goal-setting conversations, and you get a host of other things with it as well. A lot of people have already joined and uh, have provided some really good feedback. So MurderMediocrity.com for the purpose course, SlayYourGoals.com for the book, and for the rest of the materials for setting goals. And, uh, you know, thank you, Linda, for that. There's nothing more powerful then someone who's having an experience and she talked about creation. I talk about how to create yourself and the powers that we have as creators 
in that course in detail. Some of you guys have heard it on the air already, but um, it's 2018. We got a blank slate. Who will you be by the end of 2018? Only you know, only you can say, only you can create it. Keep joining me every Sunday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. That's what we're going to be discussing next week. Martin Luther King Jr. We're going to talk a little bit about that, the inspiration that he was and what we can learn from him. But thank you guys so much for listening. My name is Linnell Harris, and you've been listening to Inspirational Perspective right here on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. Chicago.